0: You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. Hello everybody and welcome to the Live Different Podcast. I'm your host Matt Wilson and today we have a very special guest none other than Daniel DiPiazza from Rich 20-something, new author of the new book Rich 20-something, Ditch Your Average Job, Start an Epic Business and Score the Life You Want. And Daniel is one of my Very closest friends, as you will see in this uh, episode, we just start recording in the middle of our conversation. We knew we were on there to start podcasting, and uh, we just saw what came of it. So it was a great conversation. Really happy uh, that we were able to pull this off, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We have two other episodes that Daniel's been on, he's a three time podcast guest. One is number 55, Mental Stretch Marks, Confidence, and Performance Enhancing Marijuana. And number three, How to be a Freak of Nature. So listen in for Daniel. Of course, this episode is sponsored by Under 30 Experiences, the travel company for young people, ages 21 to 35. If you want to check out what we are doing Lately, check out custom-experiences.com where we are getting set to host awesome fitness and yoga trips, bloggers, writers, people who want to connect with their community. Uh, we've had some great custom trips so far like with the Zen Dudes uh, from Zen Dudes Fitness who've been on episode recently and uh, also one other quick announcement from under 30 experiences if you want to hike the inca trail which was an amazing experience in my life this past may i have been to machu picchu 10 times but never had i hiked the four day three night inca trail camped out in the andes anyway it is really difficult to get these trail permits so we have to order them a whole year in advance with the Peruvian government. So if you're going to do that, check out under30experiences.com. By October 1st, the Peruvian government moved up the dates. So it's going to happen really soon. So we have to get it together. If you're going to hike the Inca Trail, let us know. You can always email bookings at under30experiences.com. And uh, yeah, check that out, under 30 experiences. Custom experiences and Daniel's other episodes on number fifty-five and number three. If you're interested, otherwise get ready for a great episode.
1: But yes, yeah, so I think that uh, yeah, you're right. Barcelona has a lot. of – The cool thing about about European cities too is that they just have a lot more history to them. You know, you look at Santa Monica, you're like earliest building is 1965. You know,
0: right. And, and I think with Barcelona that I don't believe that the beach area I think that's Barcelona Barceloneta if I'm not mistaken Yeah, probably right. That area wasn't developed until the Olympics in 1992. That's what I heard anyway.
1: Yeah, it looks about like it's like it's from the 90s just about they haven't done anything since about 92. Um, yeah, I mean the the cool thing about about cities like Barcelona you look at the cathedrals and you see uh, buildings that were built in like, I don't know, 1200. My brain can't even really, it can't detect anything that old. I, I start around 1849 and go from there.
0: I complete, wait, 1849. Did you just say you well, I really mean, you are know, California?
1: I, I can think about like the civil war, but anything before that I'm like, nope, 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 doesn't exist. Anything before like 1700? Cause you know, my, 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 my Perspective is just so, it's just so American unintentionally, just because I've spent so much time in American history class. And we don't really start, like, we kind of skip through everything up until the Revolutionary War.
0: No, I, I completely agree.
1: We skip through everything from like dinosaurs to the Rev to the Industrial Age. We, we skip through everything, and then we're like, then there was Reagan, you know, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> so, you know. Pretty crazy to see uh, a country with such a long history, and um, and it's it was a lot of fun. So I think we're gonna move there uh, as we transition out of L.A., which is a whole other conversation.
0: So is this is this for real? Can we have this conversation right now?
1: We can have this. Con- I mean, we can have this conversation. Look, um, I'm just I'm just so I'm so tired of L.A. in in many ways. I love it, but I'm tired of it, bro.
0: I could understand that. I haven't spent <laughs> I a know. lot of time in L.A., but it's a massive city. Are you still liking Santa Monica and the beach and all that? I mean that's a huge draw obviously to Southern California.
1: No, I love it. I mean that's the reason why most people are here. I mean the reason why it's so crowded here is because it's one of the most beautiful places in the world. There's just no, there's just no denying that. The beaches here in California are better than in Spain. Like the, the beaches here are just gigantic gigantic and they're pristine and they're very nice. All that's great. Um, obviously the culture is cool here. You get all the, all the best popular stuff first, all that, uh, all the opportunities are here. But I think that it's one of those places where you go to, um, kind of build yourself up and then you take whatever you learn there and you apply it somewhere else because I, I just feel like the, um, the cost of living here is getting disrespectful. It's just disrespectful.
0: That's yeah. I can, I can see that. I can you know. see that. Uh, do you think you'll be there in November when I'm coming for a visit?
1: Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not moving anytime like soon. We're gonna. We because I'm just so annoyed with the whole process of having to move, and we just we've moved in the same apartment complex twice in the past three years because we wanted to find like a, a good location within this complex. It's kind of a stupid move, but. Uh, so we moved twice, and I just don't—I don't want to move again right now because I'm just so exhausted from putting things in boxes. Uh, but next year, after our lease is up, we're going to—or we might even—we might even cut out early. Um, but I'll definitely be here in November, and then you know our lease won't be up until not this coming September, but next September, and so we'll—we'll we'll get out by then or before then.
0: Cool, cool. Well, I'm—I'm I'm coming to LA. What are you I'm, doing here? Uh, I'm putting the deposit down today at the Peak Brain Institute in Los Angeles. Have you heard of this place?
1: What is What are you doing to yourself? Are you getting so, a surgery?
0: Uh, no, neurofeedback. Neurofeedback. So I'm going to go and uh, get all these tests done on my brain, um, hopefully have them help me find uh, deeper states of meditation. Uh, deeper kind of resting states where I can look at how I react in times of stress, in times of anxiety, and uh, you get to look at all your different brainwave function and be able to actually control that. Uh, you're supposed to be able to sleep better. Uh, there's a handful of different things, but it's it's neurofeedback training. Uh, it's a three-day intensive weekend, and then you go... Home with the equipment to be able to continue with your neurofeedback sessions, and um, you basically—it's like basically a game that the software has where you fly, uh, for example, a, a split a spaceship, mm, and while with your brain focus, with my brain, yes, yeah. so when you're focused on what you're doing and playing this game then the screen stays on, for example, is kind of a simplified way that it's been explained to me. And when you lose focus, uh, the machine can magically tell with these electrodes stuck to your head and your spaceship disappears off the screen and you're like, oh, what happened to my game? And then it it helps you train your levels of focus. So I'm I'm really pumped about this. it's similar to Dave Asprey's uh, 40 years of Zen. Um, but yeah, it's something I've wanted to do for a long time. And, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to, uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to be out there in November.
1: What's it called?
0: Uh, Peak Brain Institute.
1: Now that's a good example of the things that are only available in select cities like Los Angeles. You know, what can you say? It's just here.
0: Exactly. Exactly. They, they haven't made it to Costa Rica yet. So weird. (laughs) It's going to be quite a while. Right. Right. Especially Uh, in this little town.
1: What was the... I mean, I kind of know your background about about meditation and just some of your your thoughts on how you train your mind. But what was your what was the impetus for doing that for, for booking that appointment?
0: Um, I've always wanted to to. Do, well, okay, I can't. All right, I will tell you. I since I, I was that, a
1: young child. Since, exactly. I, no, <laughs>
0: <laughs> this thing was not around even ten years ago, much less when I was a young child. Um, but. I think over the well over the last three years, getting really deep into my meditation practice. I've been of course, very interested in things like binaural beats and things like just how do you achieve deeper states? How do you achieve optimal focus and I feel like I'm doing almost everything that I can possibly yeah. do to optimize my brain function. So for anybody listening, we're talking about uh, eating as many healthy fats as I possibly can. So I haven't had lunch yet today, but I'm starting to get hungry. And so I literally went and poured myself structured water, which is – which is I have this machine and I, I run it through a, a $20 um, – wine aerator and it supposedly adds a third molecule of hydrogen you can you can look this up um it's called easy water or or exclusion zone water or structured water and uh anyway it's supposed to be a better version of water for all of your cells to function better with some Brain Octane, this MCT oil that Bulletproof makes, and I put just put it in some water with a little bit of apple cider vinegar, and, and so getting those good fats for my brain. Of course, I have my meditation practice, um, and uh, taking... Plenty of uh, antioxidants, which are you know things like uh, turmeric, for example, that are supposed to be really good for your brains, and lots of DHA and e- EPA. So krill oil is is what I take, and so really just being so laser focused on this, I feel like it's the next step. Okay, do I really know what my brain is? is doing under there? No, I I don't, I know how I feel, but I'd like some scientific data around this. And so, so that's what this is all about, but it's a three-day intensive training program where then you get to bring the equipment home and be able to continue to train yourself in addition to your uh, daily meditation practice.
1: Okay, so a few things. There's a lot, I have a lot of thoughts on this. The first thing is, I would have completely made fun of you unless I wasn't living in Santa Monica. And because I've been here for almost four years now, I say that sounds normal. It's not normal, but it sounds normal what you're doing. Right, uh, <laughs> right. It it's that like to me, I'm like, oh, great, cool, yeah. Measure your brainwaves. That's typical. Um, it's not typical, but it is. Um, it is interesting that this is like the next step in quantify itself because for a while it was like oh let me put on my fitbit which i still use a fitbit from time to time and it's like oh let me track my steps that's a very like crude Rude measurement of activity. Let me check my heart rate my resting heart rate and my sleeping patterns And when that came out and that was only maybe six or seven years ago that type of technology maybe even less uh, We were like wow what intricate data points and now that stuff doesn't even seem very relevant And this is the new version of quantify itself But what we've seen is that quantify itself doesn't always help you to change things. So what do you do with this information?
0: okay, so uh, of course, so this is literally a physical training program that they put you on. So, yes, I have to go in for a, I believe it's a QEEG brain scan. Um, and then you put the elect you also have electrodes on your head that measure your different brain waves and the frequency at which your brain is functioning.
1: Are you going to be recording this like on video? You have to. Oh yeah, for
0: sure. For sure. I would, I'm, I'm pumped to do some social media and uh, I'd like to get the doctor on the podcast. Actually, if you, (laughs) if you just Google, uh, Dr. Andrew Hill, he's been on a lot of different podcasts, Ben Greenfield. And I think that he's been on Bulletproof. Oh, if
1: you're in Ben's world, you're getting weird.
0: Yeah. And I love Ben. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, I've, I'm a big listener of of his podcast, and he's actually done this.
1: That, mean, that means that you're that means that you're you've officially crossed over into um, what I would I, I call I call you guys. I don't have a name for you guys. I don't want to come up with a name with a name for you guys. I'm right now. I'm going to call you guys the uh, the expanders because you expand the what is seen as normal or even possible for a lot of people on the. In the the center of the pack. I have another friend like you Ben. I would say is the most extreme example like I'll be sitting around with Ben at a regular Meeting and he's like stretching out his piriformis and I'm like, okay, you know Or he's like, you know, like rolling on a medicine ball in the middle of a meeting So there's that Uh, and then there's like, you know guys like Mark Dama who is another friend of mine who I'll introduce you to when you're here and he's um he takes a very close look at everything he does with his life and he's always talking about optimization and brain function and chemistry. And so I think a lot of people would listen to this and be like, oh, man, that's like, you know, way too much. I would never consider that. But the fact that you know that this type of brain training exists now will open your mind to the fact that it can be done and maybe somewhere down the road you'll do it.
0: Absolutely. And I want to go back to your question because we started just going down uh yeah, the, the conversation kind of spiraled out of control and I do want to make sure if, if people are listening in on this conversation in the form of a podcast that they see that, yeah, this is something that uh, I'm going to take that – what I learn here and then look at how I can continue to train my levels of focus, how I can continue to train to be in meditative – states, Uh, I want to know, I want to know how my brain is working. So I can know what to what to work on. So of course, uh, there are different forms of meditation that I could begin to practice or or seek a uh, seek a meditation master, right? This is something that I completely self taught on. And so and I've listened to a lot of different things about it and I've read a lot of different books about it, but I am self-taught. So maybe that creates a different path uh, that I want to go down. But being able to train my level of focus uh, is something that it's an investment, but something that I want to do for a a very long time. And if, you know, if people out there are, are listening, I think it's important for them to say, okay, well, you, know, you don't have to go to the Peak Brain Institute to get started. You can just sit and listen to your breath for five minutes every day and see how you feel after that or do that before an important task that you have to do before you get up and start writing or before you get up and start working or whatever it is. Uh, so yeah, that's all very important even though uh, I'm definitely on the fringes of this kind of weird stuff as Daniel pointed out.
1: <laughs> well, I, th- I think that, you know, I, I, you, what you're doing is a natural progression. I think most people, when they get really interested in a certain path, which, by the way, just as a as a related, as a very related side note, I think everyone should be exploring different areas of life and culture and business and technology that really interests you outside of whatever it is someone pays you to do at work. If you're still working for someone else, because we spend so much of our time uh, working on projects just devoted to making money, so that we can pay our bills, so that we can go home and eat a TV dinner that sometimes we forget that there are other things we could be doing that are both, uh, enjoyable and then also enriching, which sounds, I sound like an after-school special, (laughs) but, uh, but, um, but it's true. And so like Matt has taken a very, um, like a deep path towards meditation. So what he's describing with, um, like this type of technology and training is, is like, it's like something that you do as a, as a 1% when you've already, when you've already gotten many of the benefits you can get by teaching yourself, which is over a period of three years or more for him. So I wouldn't even suggest it's like it's like going to, you know, it's like um when you're still when you're still like losing your first 50 pounds, you don't necessarily need to be tracking body fat every day because you're just trying to lose the weight. And then when you get more refined, then you're like, okay, am I a six percent body fat or nine? You know?
0: Exactly. Exactly. And once you get uh really into something, this is just the, the next level for yeah. for me. And so I think that's important for people to, to point out. And also thank you for the reassurance uh, on the fact that my hobbies are actually worthwhile. And I know obviously this is a very extremely worthwhile hobby that will increase my productivity and do all of these positive – affect my life in a, in a positive way way. uh, But sometimes I think like on the weekends when I am just nerding out for hours upon hours (laughs) about biohacking stuff and health and obsessing over what food to eat, etc. Sometimes I think, man, I could be working and creating value for my company right now. Why am I doing this? Or, Or sometimes I think this way about the podcast, to be honest. And I think, well, this doesn't directly relate to getting more people to travel. But at the core of it, that's not my mission. My mission is to to open up people's minds a little bit more here to new experiences and to... Uh, go out and try new things and become better versions of themselves, and that's not like my my mission statement that I pulled out of my wall that I just made that up off the top of my head. But I mean, I'm pretty clear on that, and so yeah, thanks for the reassurance that uh, reassurance that it's okay to go out and uh, do things that are not what puts the food on your table.
1: Well, I mean, look, man, you know, first of all, what's the point if you're not going to, if you're not going to do the, if you're not going to be able to have the opportunity to get deep into some of these really things that are fun for you, then what's the point? People spend plenty of time going deep into fantasy football and for them, that's their thing. And, you know, you could say like, it's more important to study brain science or you could just be like, that's your thing. This is my thing. And then you can secretly think my thing's more useful. But um that, right. you know but then there's totally other what i think yeah of course like se- secret shade you're like oh well, you can study fantasy football i'm over here improving my brain but whatever everyone has their own thing uh but but then there's also like the very real aspect and uh Seth Godin talks about this a lot he talked about this when we did the podcast a few weeks ago and he's like people like people like us do things like this so when you're marketing to someone it's not just about the idea that you have a product and then your product fills their need. It's more like there's a lot of products and a lot of them serve the same need. And so then you find a group of people who resonate with you on a lot of different levels and you, through your marketing, you can express that in ways that aren't related directly to the product, but that signal people like us do things like this. So people who are interested in biohacking and changing the brain chemistry and meditation and just living more, um, more, calm, peaceful, powerful lives, you know, we'll hear you on the podcast and be like, oh, yeah, I, I really like what Matt's doing. And also, yeah, doesn't he do that travel thing? Let me look at that because I think we'd probably be on the same level, you know?
0: Sure, absolutely. And even if uh, under 30 experiences is something that I am, well, the owner of or, or running or whatever for the next 25 years, Right, that that's first of all, that's gonna make me a creepy old man. But <laughs> also, uh, these, I, I'm not just gonna be a one trick pony. I really don't think right. so. I'd like to to do something in uh, in the health space going forward. So I don't know, we'll we'll see. But this is obviously a great investment. Actually, I wanted I wanted you to uh, maybe reassure me, or, or maybe just cut me straight down, cut my legs out from underneath me. About something. So what you said about um, when you have a habit, right? And uh, say you get up and run in the morning every day, and you, like, Hate it. right? Did, so you get that. up. So Daniel loves to run. Obviously, Gross. as you can hear, he gets up every morning, puts on uh, some weird little outfit to go up and down the boardwalk in Santa Monica. <laughs> and uh, well, in Venice Beach, that will invent a speech that would have been a lot easier where you, where you used to live. <laughs> And you're getting yourself pumped up by being like, "Ah, oh, the rest of these, sorry, but fucking losers are inside sleeping. <laughs> I'm outside killing it, running with my one and a half pound weights, like doing, uh, you know." And I, I, I see you out there. So, uh-huh. I really try to comment everything in a non-judgmental. Fashion and uh, I don't ever want to carry myself in a way where I think that I'm better than someone else because I eat a certain amount of foods. I never want to be fucking vegan snob, right? I'm not a vegan. Okay, I want everybody to hear that I'm not a vegan. Nor surprising, would I ever, yeah.
1: surprising, actually. <laughs> Honestly, so
0: thanks. Uh, but also, no, you're not going to get enough good fats for your brain. I really don't think so. But Agreed. Uh, You can eat a shitload of avocados and nuts though, so that would be the easy argument for for that. But anyway, uh, I also think fish is the most important uh, food to eat. But I'm digressing into I don't want to care myself and to think I'm like some higher state of consciousness and look down on other people who are not making the same decisions that I'm making even though I think my decisions are better. I really do. There's no – there's just no getting around it. That's why I do those things, dude, is because I think they're better. But I don't want to be better than other people or certainly nor do I want to come off like that and I want to be a uh, accepting and compassionate person. Uh, do you ever deal with anything like this?
1: Oh, yeah. They're better for you. There's no absolute Uh better, though. Uh
0: Aha, okay.
1: You know? Um, So I have a few feelings on this. One's from personal experience. One's from just reading some of my favorite people. So the first is Alan Watts. And uh, do you listen to Alan, his Uh, stuff?
0: No, but he has been on my – I know about him, but he's been on my list forever.
1: Okay, he's great. He has a couple of really good books out. He has, I think, he wrote over a hundred books, and then he has like you know, just uh, he he would have been a great podcaster. If podcasting was around in the '60s and '70s. So, one of the things he talks about, he has this book called, um, uh, it's called um, Surviving in the Age of Insecurity, and um, this is written back in 1951 or published in '51. So he probably wrote it in '49, uh, but. He's spot-on with a lot of the things that are happening today because human nature doesn't change too much and one of the things he talks about in the book Which is so interesting is he's talking about how there's no there's nothing that you can do that doesn't have a selfish motive so he's like, you know, even the priest who? Um, who is contrite takes pleasure in his contriteness and then is even more contrite about how much pleasure he takes in his contriteness. everything that we do is to to elicit some sort of like pleasure response uh because we feel like we're doing the right thing. So if if you suffer for let's say in this case, you know, um, a religion and you like don't eat a certain food because it's passover or you with or you or for you forgo like sexual pleasure because you're married to the church. All those things are suffering but they're really masochistically pleasurable because you're getting pleasure from your suffering and the pleasure makes you feel good and in a certain way it makes you feel like you're better than everyone else who's not suffering, okay? Which is just a weird paradox. And so you can get pleasure from pain and you can still feel better than other people because you're in pain. Um, And there's nothing we do that, that doesn't make us feel good on some level even though that's hard to imagine. And so there's that there's that whole area of not being able to escape pleasing our own ego. And then there's a whole other thing of like when we do something it's it's obvious to us because we know what we know and we think how we think. If if everyone else knew what we knew and thought how we thought, then it would be very obvious that they're doing the right thing, but or that we're doing the right thing. But Everyone doesn't know that if everyone knew that under 30 experiences was the best way to get a curated trip That would save them money time make them new friendships and change their lives And that's why some people go on five trips Then it would be really easy and you could bring them to your website and say just book your trip now with one big button because they know What you know and they think how you think but they don't know that so that's why we have marketing and marketing helps people who already feel the same way that we feel Recognize and understand that that this is where they're supposed to be and so we're kind of like attracting people but Altogether, you know, we can't really convince other people to see things the way we see the way we see the world We have to just find people who already see it the same way So you really in terms of feeling better than others, you know, it's just like everyone's in their own they're in their own world and uh, I just laugh at myself now like I do catch myself feeling that way sometimes oh well you should be working out everyone knows they should you know physical activities it's an obvious no-brainer um but it's just it's not always like that you know eating like this is an obvious no-brainer um you know and even with my grandmother like you can look at people like i or i was at my my parents house the other day a couple days ago or a couple weeks ago before we left for our trip and uh man i went into their fridge i was about to kill them they they uh they said okay let's go out and get dinner i said all right well you know what can we eat in this godforsaken desert because they live out in the in the desert um, in Temecula here in Los Angeles, in California, and you know so they went out and they came back with Panda Express. I was about to kill them. I was like, "Are you guys seriously, <sighs> actually fucking eating this shit right now?" Are you, I'm going to kill you. And then my dad goes in the fridge and he pours a, a giant 32 ounce or 64 ounce glass of a two liter of Pepsi. I'm like, Ooh. "I'm going to strangle you right now." This is at your that's either – you're either going to die slow or fast. I'll just take you out of your misery and kill you right now because you're literally drinking poison. But he doesn't know what I know and he doesn't think the way I think. So my decision is not better than his because he's him. You know? Ugh. I know. Disgusting. Yeah. I want to kill him.
0: Well, kill him. well, all right. Don't, don't kill your dad. You I'd be mean, doing so, him a favor. You were so sage with your advice <laughs> from Alan Watts. And I felt so calm about your example with your priest, and now you're talking about massacring your own father. Oh, this is just taking My mom a turn too. for the worst. Yeah, that's that's nice. Um so I love your yeah, that's that's great. That's so well said. My question is about competition. And mm. I'm a competitive person so i I love what you just said and i'm i'm going to continue to try to be as mindful as possible when i make my decisions and other people make their decisions and maybe they don't know and i'm not that person who's gonna sit at the dinner table and tell you what to eat or why it's hurting you. i just don't that's not how i choose to too much energy yeah it's just not and i've had similar experiences um going to see my dad right and I can only tell my dad's sick and so I can only tell him so many times before it's like, all right, well, he's just not gonna listen or he doesn't know or he doesn't care or, or whatever. There's a lot going on there, obviously, but he, he just or he doesn't have the physical capacity to be able to do it, whatever. But talk to me about competition and how competition motivates you. I mean, you're a you're a fighter, you're a Brazilian.
1: Brazilian. I'm a Brazilian. I got a a Brazilian dollars.
0: Yeah, you're a Brazilian jiu jitsu uh, (laughs) fighter. I mean, talk to me about competition and how when you're training and you're eating right, you're thinking about the next guy who you're going to be choking out and how they might not be eating the right food and
1: that fuels you and motivates you. Oh yeah, I mean that's I mean that's always a factor but I think you, you, your level of competition also dials up and down in your life depending on what you're doing. So for me right now, um, I didn't compete last year. I competed a bunch of times in, in 15 and I didn't compete in 16 and I, I might compete one more time before this year is over. Um, but I mean I think that in terms of nutrition like nutrition, training, all that stuff becomes very competitive until it doesn't anymore, you know, because there's no like I just think one one of the the downsides of competition in any type of like a personal pursuit or a sport or any of that stuff is you never really get you never really get the response that you want from the people who you think you're competing with. Like no one ever comes up to you afterwards and says, "You know what? You are like so much better than me." And <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to let you know that like even though at the time you thought there was a competition. You really always had this in the bag. You're much smarter. You're very strong. You look much better than me. Your girlfriend is sexier than mine. And everything <laughs> that you do is just better. Like, no one has ever, no one's ever said that to me. And I've been trying to get people to say that to me, and no one has. So the competition thing has been getting boring for me because I'm like, man, it's really just me versus me in here. And no one, no one else gives a fuck, man. Like, I mean, people, people get jealous, but they only get jealous based on their own. Feelings of lack about themselves or like oh this guy has this and I don't it's never like No one ever really wants to be you They just want to be themselves with whatever it is that you have like I don't want to be the rock I just want to have the rocks money and power and fame. I don't actually <laughs> want to be him though I'd rather be myself, you know, and some people maybe want to be someone else, but for the most part like no one no one ever gives me the satisfaction of like of a real competitive victory because everyone is so in their own head so you know it's like what's the point anymore you might might as well just do it for you and if you don't like doing it then then there's no competition you know
0: huh that's a that's an interesting interesting perspective Um, has anyone
1: ever said oh matt you're such a you know what you are such a good eater and congrats
0: no no, nobody (laughs) wants to put themselves through the shit that i do nobody wants to do that nobody wants to eat what i eat no. i mean sorry but it, it <laughs> yeah. doesn't even taste that good i mean it can but but when i get lazy and i'm taking like my fifth hard-boiled egg out of the refrigerator and cracking it and eating it with another thing of sauerkraut and <laughs> you know what i mean like and then yeah. having like these shakes that i drink, these fat shakes I mean, it's <laughs> fat just not, water yeah like h2o yeah, water yeah, like who fucking does that no nobody wants to do that and i don't want anybody out there to think that i'm doing this because i want to dominate the world and want everybody to want to be me uh but yeah no that's that's it's it's interesting and i think that's absolutely the right conclusion to come to is that you got to be yourself and you got to do it for you. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's pretty good.
1: Well, it took, it took me a while to figure that out. This, by the way, this is like a new – this is kind of a new – I wouldn't call it a breakthrough because I don't You know, – I'm not feeling like Oprah right now. I don't want to call it a breakthrough. But it's like a, been a new realization for me um, is just that – okay, how can I phrase this? When you, when you begin to see yourself as, um, as an individual – Like there are two conversations to be had here. One conversation is that, you know, we're all the same person, body thing. That's a whole different spiritual conversation. But when you begin to see yourself as an individual, uh, with your own choices and preferences, and then not only that, but your own circumstances, not everyone, because of the individual scenarios that we grew up in, we have resources and opportunities that other people don't have. And other people have the same, uh, You know types of resources opportunities in their own way uh, that we don't have and so when we start comparing ourselves We're we're always comparing something. That's just Misaligned that that doesn't that doesn't accurately lend itself to comparison There's no way I can really compare my health to yours because of everything else that led up to it Including what you're doing now that allows you to do it your way um and of course i could like try to follow some of your strategies and techniques and you know i'll get my own results based on what i'm doing in my own life but once i started to realize that i didn't have to um like i could just do my own thing and i could get my own results and i didn't have to worry about because i i was really absorbed a lot with like the online marketing world for a long time like you know what type of results am i getting for my things i'm selling and what does my website look like, and all that stuff? And I just realized, man, that's not really that important because um, because it's just it's what it's doing is it's forcing me into a box that's just basically making me a follower. It's like I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a follower with followers essentially. I'm a follower of other people, and my followers are following me. And so there's nothing really that I'm doing uh, that's actually me. It's all just a reactionary um, response to everything I see out there in the world. So that's why I kind of like took a step back. I cut my email list down big time. I started changing up the things I was doing and I said, you know, I'm just going to put the blinders on and just do my own thing and let the people who really resonate, who this really resonates with raise their hand. And that has also stopped me from feeling so competitive because I'm like, what am I competing for? What's the, what's the competition? I don't really understand why there's, why there would be a need to, you know?
0: No, that's awesome, especially online. Like it's your metrics versus other people's metrics. Um, but that's a it's an empty game at the end of the day. It's a, it's an empty game. And actually, that's when I made the transition from under 30 CEO to under 30 experiences. That's what I felt. I was in New York around all these tech superstars and they were just young kids who got venture capital money and hired a bunch of people but they weren't you know none of their products were even developed yet or they didn't even yeah. have real businesses none of those companies make money and so but they all had their egos and i used to love going to our central park uh flag football games and just like torching these kids this competitive <laughs> like, Matt coming out dude it was it was seriously it was like you got venture capital from Ron Conway. I was like, I just, I just fucking trucked you in flag yeah. football.
1: Like, I just put my nuts. I just put my nuts in your mouth on the backboard. Right. So I'll take that to
0: the right, point. right. And so that was, I, I went through that as well. And then once I was like, all right, this isn't healthy. Uh, <laughs> I need to go. And travel and look inward instead of at what all of these other egos are doing. And that's what bothered me the most. The re- I want to be clear. The reason that I wanted to – did you just say put my nuts on them on the backboard? We did play basketball. Anyway, yeah, exactly. yeah, the reason that I felt like that was because they were just so full of themselves and just thought mm-hmm. that they were such hot shit because of this. Um yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm thinking of uh, having a laugh about uh, one particular circumstance. I've already told you the story, about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I don't want to get into there. Yeah. Okay. There's a, there's a pretty big time uh, podcaster and author and blogger who I got into it once with, but I, on the basketball court, uh, but I, I don't want to go down that route today. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's about yeah, so the competition is okay, right? If that's what fuels you, but then that's just pure capitalism and war and greed and hatred. Where you can, you yeah, you can look look inward and and do your own thing, and that's what has made Under Thirty experiences so successful. Is, is well, where I also was going with that.
1: I mean, it's just it just not only is it like capitalism and lame or or greedy and hatred and in some cases hatred, but it's also just lame. You know, it's just not, it's just not fun. It's just not, uh, you know, you can, you can do just more, more fun things. I I see so much, um, so much wasted. Like I look at, this is a, like a, a social media example. When you're talking about real celebrities, like I look at, um, celebrities, like, you know, I was on Instagram, looking at Drake Champagne Poppy on Instagram. Okay. So I'm looking at Drake and he's putting up these photos of him, like with various poses that are kind of the same pose, but like in slightly different lightings or in different clothes. And he'll put little captions that are meant to be like, I don't know what's up with rappers. I don't know why they like, they just make up these phrases that mean nothing, but they seem really cool. He'll be like, He'll be like, word to your mother. He'll be like, you know, uh, up in the hills or like what just say something really cool, you know, on his captions. And then I'm like, man, you had, you had 5 million people like this and, and you know, you, you have like maybe 50 million people on your, uh, like following your page. And this was the most interesting thing. This was the, this was like the thing you decided to share with us today, which was you like making a squinty eye face and pointing at the camera there's, you could be doing more with that. You know, I'm just saying like there's more to be done, but I think that's just, that's part of the game. It's like, you're just, you're just kind of like parodying what other people are doing just because other people are doing it, not because it's something that actually means anything to you.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just so superficial. I don't
1: know. That's what you you chose to say. You got 50 million people to look at you and you chose to say up in the Hills. Exactly.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Like do please do something with your, with your voice. And I don't care if, Especially the listener, it, it can just be on. It, who cares if you have seven followers? Please say something meaningful. Um, you know, at least at least make it funny or heartwarming or something, something entertaining. Not that, not that crap, uh, dude. I wanted to ask you. You drove a Mercedes for a while. I don't know if I still you, still, did, you still got it. You still got it. So okay. So tell me. Uh, I'm curious about your experience uh with that and how you yeah i'm curious did you do it for you how you see how other people perceive you how is it rolling up to your family and like telling them what to eat in the refrigerator out of the <laughs> out of the window of your mercedes Benz? <laughs> tell well, me about that look.
1: Okay. First of all, it's a leased car. Like I don't, I didn't want to buy it and I leased it. Um, it's not that expensive to get a leased Mercedes in the U S In other States it's, or in other countries. It's pretty expensive. Like it's like six or 700 bucks a month to get a pretty nice Mercedes. And then, um, I, you know, I was talking to some friends from Australia. They're like, man, that would be $2,500 um, a month here. Cause it's just an import there, but here they just, they make them here in America. Um, so that's the, it's, it's an import, but they really make it here. Um, so that's the first thing. It's not that expensive. So there's the perception of you buy it because people like us do things like this. So like people who are successful entrepreneurs drive cars that say successful entrepreneur. So of course there's that. It's like, um, there's, it's definitely a status symbol and, and there's nothing, there's nothing, um, wrong with liking nice things. Like I think it's objectively pretty, like I think Mercedes is a nice car. It's a, it feels nice. It drives nice. It's, it's nice. It is a car. Um, so there's a whole debate on whether you even need that in Santa Monica, but it's a nice car and it's better than the one I had before. That being said though, I just think that, um, you know, like I got a letter in the mail. I got 13 payments left on it before this lease is up and they're trying to get me to an upgrade. And they're like, we can put you in a brand new 2018, uh, CLA 250 with, you know, re like sport package and all this stuff. I'm like, man, first of all, like that means I got to renew this lease. I don't think I want to be beholden to you guys for another like two years and just basically have this, this another rent check basically um just to be able to drive up and get my groceries and then the second thing is just like um I think that I think that it's it's something that um it just gets overhyped a lot I mean I used to think I was a car guy um and I still do enjoy them but I man I, I care like my level of caring has gone down about 90 percent in terms of the car thing because just uh I don't know. I like my next car that I'm going to get, it might be a Benz, but it will be, I'll buy it in full and it will be used and I just won't owe anybody for it because I think that there's like this, this huge, um, this huge, uh, like, like encouragement amongst the entrepreneurship community to like, just get as much stuff as you can so that you can show how successful you are. But I just don't, it just doesn't, doesn't really tickle me on the inside anymore, bro. It's just like, man, I'd just rather read my book and stay, stay at home
0: right right it doesn't and, tickle me <laughs> and, and does does that mean your book you read your own book when you stay oh at home? i've i've read it
1: thousands of times but other books too
0: <laughs> i'm uh, i'm obviously kidding about that but no that that's cool that's a cool perspective here um and also if you're a business owner and you use the car for work you can write that off with uh, uh, yeah. the lease you can write the lease off so check with your accountant uh if you're gonna spend over seventeen thousand dollars on a car, it actually comes out ahead uh, to lease it, is what uh, my accountant told me. And so, if you're using it for work purposes, so anyway, that's just a little uh, little aside. But yeah, and the, I, I appreciate that you said it's okay to to nice to like nice things, and it's safe, and uh, that's a, I mean, that should be important. and – yeah go
1: ahead there, there's there's a little, another point i want to bring up which i haven't talked about in the podcast yet and i've recorded it as a private note to myself and it's totally worth dropping in here but the last thing i'll say about a mercedes is there are certain quality features that you just can't deny like when you close the door in the mercedes it's a nice click rather than like a jangle or a pop okay it's soundproof like it's just fucking nice but yeah. at the same time it's it's an object that owns you um the more of these things that you have the more controlled you feel by them, because the more you need them to maintain this identity that you have. And one of these, the ways that's really been fucking with me recently, is the apartment complex that we live in. So, the apartment complex that we live in uh, is—it actually is still in Venice, um, technically city-wise. And it is a on the outside, it's a pretty nice complex. Um, and basically, what it is though is it is. Uh, it is a it's essentially like an old section 8 housing project that they put new teeth on on the front by putting a whole bunch of new apartments and condos on the front of the on the front of the, the community and then the back is all just old renovated section 8 now what they've done with this community is very interesting they put about $60 million into it. So they, they added a saltwater pool with underwater speakers where you can hear, uh, CeeLo green playing in all hours of the day. <laughs> they, they put a, they put a three story gym with like free weights, like a squat rack and like deadlift bumper plates, like a real gym in there. Uh, you know, it's like very enticing. They have like a whole floor of cardio machines. It's like mini Equinox inside of this gym. There are fitness celebrities from YouTube who live here, Instagram influencers, New York Times bestselling authors, uh, like doctors, lawyers. It's a professionals, uh, you know, community. And there's families too. And we're paying, I just cut this rent check, so we're paying $3,500 a month to be here, okay? And it, it's it's pretty overpriced just for Venice, but it's not too far off from what would be standard We're probably paying three or four hundred dollars more So very expensive but in a very expensive area um, And every year they've been raising the rent by about 150 bucks, which is outrageous And the reason we haven't moved is because I've been, been so not wanting to just it's just easier to stay even if it hurts a little bit more so so I look at this community and I when my dad comes here because my dad's from Detroit and he's like you know he's basically from the hood and he looks around he's like you know you live in the hood right like this is a project and I'm like yes 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 but look at the renovations and um, what what I've realized is that they've LA and the, really the developers of this community have figured out a way they've engineered a way to get upper middle class people to live in the ghetto because we we essentially live in a ghetto so what they've done is they've gotten people who you have to make 100K at least to live here because you can't pay, we're paying 3,500 and we have one of the, I'd say we're in the middle because rent goes up to about $5,000 a month here. There's no equity, these aren't condos, they're apartments, okay, you don't get anything back. So you have to You have to make a good amount of money to live here. So you got doctors who are paying $3,500 to live in the ghetto and what they've done is they've now put moved the middle class to the ghetto and they've pushed everyone who would normally live in these projects Out Onto the streets so now these people are outside in Venice and then of course the police say get off the streets You fucking bum and so then the 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 gap is widening even more and more between like super super high upper upper class And then even what used to be the very solid middle class Right because you have to pay so much money just to live in somewhere that before would have been considered You know pretty substandard of course they've renovated it, but it's the fucking hood and uh, it's savage here And that's just another example of why I'm like, oh, get me out of here, you know?
0: Wow. And, and is this in Santa Monica or is this in Venice?
1: I mean, it's in Venice, but I use them kind of interchangeably because there's no like clear delineation where one stops and starts. It's kind of just like – it's like Santa Monica, Marina del Rey, Venice, kind of all the same thing to me.
0: Got it. Got it. Um, yeah, but I mean, Venice is actually how, more
1: pricey right now.
0: Okay. Interesting. I mean that's how gentrification works and uh, yeah, I, I – Totally see why you would want to get out of there. Thirty
1: five hundred dollars. Yeah, that's a lot of money. You are you kidding me? And then and then after four, this will be our fourth time renewing. I was I was late two days on the rent because I was changing my accounts from like one Chase account to another Chase account. So the automatic withdrawal didn't happen in the sequence it needed to happen. I was two days late on the rent. They put an eviction notice on my door. I'm like, you fuckers, you fucking you fuckers, okay? Because I paid y'all like over $120,000 in the past three years. Oof. How dare you? I'm your best customer. You should be calling me and saying, Daniel, is everything okay? Are you sick? Do you need some more milk? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm like, a, I'm, a, I'm a recurring customer that pays you every month an exorbitant sum of money. <laughs> you should love me. Damn. Oh, so I was just like, uh uh-uh, uh, I'm so tired of this LA bullshit.
0: Wow! Uh, if you want to get more tired of it, listen to the first episode of the new season of Revisionist History, Malcolm Gladwell's mm-hmm. podcast. It's mm-hmm. about golf and how there are no golf. Co- uh, sorry, there are no parks in Los Angeles. Like, there's no place for kids to play in in Los Angeles. But then you have these massive golf courses and. They have barbed wire, razor wire, cameras, <laughs> everything, guard dogs to make sure you keep the common folk out, and they don't even pay taxes. And so he
1: just <laughs> is it a church?
0: It's a golf course. Yeah, it might as it might as well be. It might as well be. And so he just rips them apart. It's uh, it's very enjoyable if you never want to move to <laughs> L.A.
1: or well. well you know, look, you know, there's a good, of course, there's good and there's bad. The The good thing is you're going to come to L.A., this expensive city, and then but you're going to get something that's really special done for you. You're going to like get your whole your whole brain checked up, which they can only do it in a few places in the world. Uh, and they just have they have great sushi and Mexican food here. So
0: that's that's great. I'm looking forward to hanging out with you and getting a workout in and your expensive yeah. ass apartment complex.
1: Oh, yeah. They got kettlebells and everything. We've, we've uh, never
0: worked out together, have we?
1: I don't think we have. We, I mean, you know, we've like done a lot of other stuff. I don't think we've worked out though. Um, yeah, no, I'm excited about it. And, um, and yeah, I mean, there's like, there's tons of cool stuff to do here. And, um, what, what's next for you? Like you just opened up a, a trip to Thailand, didn't you? Or not Thailand. Yeah. Um, uh, where
0: Thailand, Thailand. was Thailand. Yes, sir. Um,
1: what's we... that about? So,
0: yeah, we have a a new Thailand trip. It's going to be from Bangkok up to Chiang Mai down to the islands. And, uh, yeah, we're just trying to hit the three main regions that people want and and need to see when they come to Thailand. We're going to do it over 10 days. Um, We had several trips sell out so far. And it's just a place that people want to go. It's a little bit intimidating to do it on your own. and people who love coming on trips with under 30 experiences just they signed up, you know, they were they were ready for it. and uh, people have been asking us for years for more Southeast Asia stuff, but it's very difficult for us to find uh, yeah, to find the right people to run these trips. I mean this is a trip to Thailand. I, I had literally had several meetings. With people where I said, look, my goal of this meeting is to learn enough about this country so that I don't wake up in a hospital and realize that one of my kidneys is gone. And yes. that's not – yeah, that's just not what I what I want about doing business over there. And uh, so – God, I just realized that that probably put a lot of fear into people's <laughs> people's no, mind no, about but, traveling but, to Thailand. But no, I'm talking about doing business. You know, I yeah, don't know how yeah, it works. Yeah. And that's it. That was me being facetious, uh, of course. But it's intimidating. That was to show that isn't it is intimidating. So if you want to, you know, we had to hire a, a manager over there, and uh, so our manager. His name is Tim. He's North American. He's from Philly, uh, but he is married to a Thai woman. He owns a home in Thailand. He lives there full-time. He speaks Thai. And uh, so he is going to be in charge of finding us the right Thai guide. And he's over there, has inspected all of uh, the hotels that we're going to stay in, doing things like checking out the elephant sanctuary to make sure that their standards are Uh, up to, that they are up to our standards for treatment of the animals and things like that. This is a rehabilitation center that we're going to visit. And of course, you know, he brings a ton of, of knowledge on that side and, you know, we're going to be accompanied by uh, a Thai guide and uh, yeah, we're looking for the, for the right one and um, yeah, man, it's, it's going to be awesome, awesome trip.
1: Comment and a question. Okay. The first is Sarah just did the whole, um, Chiang Mai Bangkok thing by herself in April and she loved it. She had a great time. Uh, she had only good things to say about the food and elephant sanctuary, which we, she also went to and, um, you know, she looks beautiful too, which is always a plus plus. And, uh, and so it was great, and I know everyone's going to enjoy their, their time there. Um, the second thing I'll say is that, man, and this is – I was texting Matt and his, his partner, Jared, when I was in Morocco. And I said, man, mad respect for what you guys do because you land on the ground first and figure out all these logistics so that um, for many people who've been out of the co- – so a lot of people who take trips with you. Correct me if I'm wrong. But for many people, um, it's the, their first time out of the country?
0: Yeah. Yeah, we had a okay. girl last week in Bali who it was her first trip out of the country mm-hmm. i was like damn you picked a heck of a spot to mm-hmm. get a culture a, a culture shock yeah
1: and it's and, and when you do that um when you are responsible for people you're not just responsible for people's travel you're responsible for their memories for their experience which is you know under 30 experiences but you're responsible for their for their memory of that of that that whole country if, if under 30 gets their does her job wrong that person might not even like Bali you know which isn't Bali's fault um, and when I was on the ground in Morocco we just got in there we got there late at night and uh, we had to take the you know like in any in any uh, European country for the most part if they have the same letters I'm much more comfortable with like trying to decipher things and because I'm like I have a very good working knowledge of Spanish um, you know like I wouldn't say I'm fluent because I don't live there, but I'm definitely conversational. And uh, you know, and then with Greek, I'm okay with that. Um, and you know, I can hack around and other things. But then when you're when you're looking at Arabic for the first time, you're like, I don't know what the fuck this is saying. I don't even know what the <laughs> letters actually. I can't distinguish individual letters even. Very scary. Then it's at night. The cities are constructed differently than they are. They are in the U. S. It's not like oh here's Broadway and Lincoln. It's like no, they're like like small little alleyways with no discernible street signs. And so you go there at night, everyone's buzzing around you. People are like, where do you, I can take you somewhere in a taxi or like, I don't know who you are, you know, same kidney thing. I watch too much TV, but the, uh, the idea is that, man, it's so comforting to have someone to curate that experience. And so I'd encourage anyone, um, to who, who is taking a first time trip out of the country to, you know, it, it should be under 30 experiences, but if it's not, it should be someone else, uh, to get someone to help you plan this because it will make your, it, it'll take a lot of the stress off of having you. Having to deal with all the weird stuff, you know,
0: right. And otherwise, you're just going to buy a package from somebody and go and sit in Dominican Republic or Jamaica right. or Puerto, Puerto Rico or whatever on a resort, and you could you could do that in Fort Lauderdale. You know yeah. what I mean? It's it's not a cultural experience.
1: So. For more, it would be more expensive in Fort Lauderdale, but sure, right, um,
0: <laughs> right, exactly. Well,
1: the one que- the one question I wanted to ask though, um, is what. So this is something that I've really come to realize over the past couple honestly the past past year really and even the past six months more so it's that you like I've seen this firsthand now more than anything you get so much of, it's so it's so much easier to get an existing uh, customer or fan to rebuy something than it is to get a new, person to make the decision, especially with travel. And I'm wondering what percentage of the people that travel with you are new versus returning?
0: I believe the number is around 35%. So it's easy to do. You just count the number of upcoming reservations that we have booked for people and see if they're a return customer. And the number's somewhere around 35%. Those numbers are, are a couple months old, but about 35%. That's significant. Um, yeah, I mean people love our trips and they, they tell their friends and they come back on trips.
1: And what's your main way for for spreading the word about, about the community?
0: Well that's – so spreading the word about our community to new people of course uh, we rely heavily on word of mouth, but we try to invest into the community, right? So we have these meetups in the United States. As you know, I want to hold one in LA. And actually, I think we should get some type of uh, influencer dinner or let's call it something fun. less douchey and just get <laughs> some good people to get together. But like – let's organize something you and i sure, if, if we sure. can um but i want to have uh, i want to have under 30 experiences meet up for our community and obviously you're you're involved in that and you have good friends from that or oh yeah sarah tons, sarah tons does of your your girlfriend um but so we try to invest in the community and have these events and and meet us for people and they don't just have to be happy hours you know we have people going whitewater rafting together going hiking together in their own city I went to – I was in New York two weeks ago and we went to a free public outdoor workout together and we went through a boot camp and uh, there were salsa lessons there after that and after that we went to a meetup but it was just getting good people together which is um, – which is important. And so uh, yeah, so (laughs) I think just giving people the best possible experience that they can uh and then investing in keeping them involved is the real key because then they open your newsletters and they stay active in the facebook group and that's i think that's been the thing that's kept the buzz going and we talk about all the time it's because it's easier to get an alumni to come on a trip as we call them let's focus there instead every time we we buy a, I don't know, campaign for Google ads or something like that, it never goes as well as if we would've just put that money back into the community.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree with you. And you can, I mean, you can just see, you can just see the numbers. Um, Like when you look at who opened your emails, who's doing the the most, who's engaging the most, who's who's bringing, like as Malcolm Gladwell would say, like the, the super connectors, like who's bringing the most people into the community. It's a small subset of the community doing I would say like most of the work you know
0: no absolutely and uh yeah just like you've done your retreats uh with the reach 20 rich 20 something community and you've had a small group of people but just all-star community members who you Mm -hmm. then wanted to commit five days of your life to to really getting to know them and diving in and having new experiences with them going on an adventure but then also uh seeing what type of yes seeing what they're doing i mean there's there's so much value in getting to know those people well and if they're already cool if they're already the customer that you want to keep well then do everything that you can to to keep them and and like attracts like so they're gonna spread the word for you
1: Oh yeah, totally. And I mean, I think that like there's a natural life cycle of sometimes you'll notice people who come into your community and then, you know, they'll go away for a while and they won't hear from, you won't hear from them. But, um, there's always at any given time, like if you're doing your job right, there's going to be a core group of super connectors who are like really hotly engaged. Um, I look at, you know, cause we cleaned our email list down from like 150 K to about 50 K now. And then we split that list up and something interesting has been happening. And this is something I didn't expect. We split the list up where it might be like 55,000 now, I think. And we split the list up at the beginning of June. And at the beginning of June, we had about 10,000 people on the list who were really hot. And by hot, I mean they were opening about 40 to 60% of my emails every single day. So one out of two emails they would open, which is a lot for an email um, you know, campaign or whatever. And what I've noticed is that... Over time over the last two months or so I've been emailing every day not three or four days a week not five Just on weekdays, but every single day seven days a week and what's happened is more people have moved From the cool list to the hot list because more people have a chance to open and now we have almost 15,000 people opening one out of every two emails and some people open every single email and so you can see that type of engagement grow and then you look and you think you know if even a small percent 15,000 people think about Madison Square Gardens Madison Square Gardens is 22,000 people at capacity and you have you know 50,000 people on an email list if you can't get it right with two Madison Square Gardens you're doing it wrong you know
0: wow that's uh, i'd never put that number into something like
1: Madison Square Gardens yeah Think about that. And you have a more direct channel to talk to them. Cause if you ever talked on a on a speaker at a at a at a like a conference where there's you know a loudspeaker or you're in a stadium, it's like hello, 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 you can't hear anything. You know, um, email. It's just you get right to the point, and there's that many eyeballs in there. If you can't do it right with that many people, if you can't do it right with a hundred people, you're doing it wrong. And so, you know, I think that we should focus more. There's a different type of growth. Like rather than always trying to get more people to see your stuff, growing internally, I think is more powerful in many cases.
0: That's yeah, that's excellent. That that's awesome. Um, I had a. I was going to ask you something else. Um, I was gonna. Uh, I was. I was gonna start to go down the road. You asked me what. What else is going on? What's new? Mm-hmm. I, I did want to say that I want. I'm going to focus uh, on the podcast a lot more. Come fall, I'm going to be traveling less and being more heads down. And I, I just love podcasting and I love connecting with people. And I think there's opportunity to to grow big time. But it sounds like it's been going pretty well for you.
1: Yeah, it's been going really well. Um you know, I I think mostly just because I've, um, I've had time to focus on it more. It just, it just takes effort, you know, and constantly, constantly telling people about it. And really, you know, I started it in late 2015 just to try to get, have great conversations with people because I had the opportunity to, but then not until really this year have I started promoting it heavily and it's just growing steadily. And, um, and so I think now it's just a matter of figuring out you know what? I, 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 the thing is, I don't think that you need to have. It depends, it depends on what your goals are. Like, if you need to have one of the world's top podcasts, then that's a different conversation than having like a really good podcast that your specific readers listen to um, or your your fans listen to. Like, for instance, I'm doing this new this new format with this with uh, the with, with, with the freelance workshop, which is what used to be one of my courses. Uh, we transformed it into a workshop, and the way that I'm doing the the workshop now is every single day I'm giving them, I'm posing a new question with, uh, and, and the way the question is is. Um, set up it's designed to help people think about business without giving them the answer one of the problems i've seen in the past is that with these video courses like all right here's how to start a free here's how you would think of a skills to develop to start a freelance business and like okay, you do this this that people are like oh none of that applies to my situation so the way i'm framing my, our courses is now um i'm asking questions using the socratic method where i'm saying all right what are some things that you see out in the market that are working? Here are some places to look, come back and post this on the forum. We have a private forum and I do all that via, um, via SoundCloud. So they're like private lectures that only people in the, in, in the workshop are listening to. And there's only 150 people allowed in at a time. And I realized that podcasting, no matter if you're podcasting to a small audience or a big audience is really powerful because people have you on and you realize how much, how often we have these, these white headphones in our ear or whatever color they are. We're listening to them all the time. And so it's a very powerful medium. And and even if your podcast only grew to having, you know, maybe 50,000 downloads a month, which is, you know, a lot, but like not as many as some others, that's a lot. That's like a lot. And I think that we just get too, we get too jaded by what's a lot these days and don't, you know, don't focus on just like cultivating the garden that we have.
0: And it goes back to what you said before. Okay, if you're looking at the top 50 podcast list and you're trying to crack it and you don't think you're worth anything until you make that list, well, then you may have a very sorry existence for the rest of your <laughs> yeah. life. So, yeah. you know, yeah. do 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 it for you and do it for, for your people. Now I sound like Drake, what the fuck? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the thing is but too, you like also... Yeah, like like situationally, you're not going to beat Joe Rogan because he's Joe Rogan, you know.
0: Right, right. I mean, you could set that goal, but it's much better to have quality content for people who care. And uh, I completely agree. Are you going down the YouTube path still? Are you still producing YouTube videos?
1: Oh yeah, I am. I just took a, I took a few weeks off as I was traveling. Um, I didn't have a huge backlog built up. So, um, I'll be doing them at least twice a week, starting next week, Tuesdays and Thursdays.
0: Nice. I want to play around with different formats also. I mean, I do only interviews, but I feel like I'm to the point where I have so much stuff that I could share that could be extremely helpful to people.
1: Um,
0: I and and writing articles just takes so long and at this point uh for
1: non-writers. Yeah. I, I mean a, I write a new article every day, bro.
0: Yeah, I I, I bet uh I bet you're also a uh best selling author. And so
1: Can I just can I brag for a second? Can brag, I brag for a second? Please, dude. Bro, this book is selling so well right now. It's crushing it. Um, so, so the, the amount of copies we sold in the first week was really good. Like we sold about 5,000 in the first week, but the publisher doesn't care about that, man. They care about consistent sales over time and they want things that are, that are growing in sales, not declining from launch week. Right. Um, because that's how they make their money back and so it's just it's going really well it's in a whole bunch of different countries now uh it's been spotted everywhere from the library in you know in paris the public library in paris to the airport in singapore Uh, it's in all these different states Um, It's in the Amazon bookstore and they only select a few because I'm talking about physical the physical bookstore in Oregon Uh, They only select a few business books to put in there as it still has a five-star rating It's untouched five-star rating It has over 220 reviews now and these are not my mom only has one account on Amazon Okay (laughs) (laughs) And so and um, it's it's been getting pretty crazy and and like I'm just super I'm just super pleased with I can't – like I wrote, a, I wrote a pretty good book so I'm like just really happy about it.
0: <laughs> that, that's awesome. Uh, first of all, congratulations if I hadn't congratulated you before. and I didn't know that it was even possible for the book – the levels of book sales to grow because everyone puts such a big emphasis on first week sales, make a list or whatever and then you figure it trickles off. I, I, I never realized that to be honest.
1: Let me tell you something. First of all, um, so I'll I'll put this out there. Here's here's the here's the um, the research that I've done. Um, first week sales are important for getting on lists, but lists don't really. So like like I told like I've talked about before in the podcast, we hit number 11 on New York Times, which means we don't get the little sticker on the cover that says New York Times best selling author. But like that doesn't really actually mean anything about how well the book is doing. It's a, it's a one week metric. Um, and then what, what publishers look for though, is they look for books that consistently sell over time because, well, for instance, um, Ryan holiday put out a, put out a a new book recently that talks about perennial sellers. And one of the things that he notes is that, um, The real money in books or any type of creative work is in the back catalog So you don't make money off of the album you just put out you make money off of the ten albums that have been out for 20 years Um, And so the idea is to create a lot of work and do several books that are all selling a few hundred to a few thousand copies per week If you're really good Um, But that's how you get a lot of sales over time and so the fact that this book is continuing to grow in sales is good because it's a good indicator that I'll get another deal. But the the other good thing about it is that it's shown me that good work markets itself. Just like a good trip. If someone has a good trip in Thailand, of course. The, I mean, you have the perfect marketing perfect marketing vehicle because someone's going to take all these pictures in Thailand, and then people are going to say, "Oh my God, how'd you go to Thailand?" They're like, "Oh, there's this company called Under Thirty Experiences." Done. The idea virus has been transmitted. Okay. Um, same thing with the book. People are reading this book. And then they're posting it on social media or they're just sharing it with their friends. I get emails from people who are like, hey, I didn't know who you were before this, but a friend gave me this book. Good work does the marketing itself. So if you just focus on really getting on really putting out something that, that's that's like a solid piece of work. Over time, that's going to do the job for you, um, and it just takes a while. You know, it took me about four years of consistent writing and figuring things out to put this first little project out. But now I see the real benefit to putting a piece of work out there isn't the actual work itself, but it's the feedback you get from the work.
0: Damn, man, that's that's awesome, and I know that when I read a book. If it's an author who I like, say they came out with a new book, I read their new book, but then yeah, go and read their the rest of their work yeah. if I'm really inspired by it and that's going to help their their sales. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that that was an interesting experience and um, it just uh, it gives me a lot of confidence because, you know, for a long time I was like, what am I doing here? Like am I am I like What's what's my what's my angle here? And I, I realized over the past six months, like since the book has been out and since I've been writing every day, you know, for for three months nonstop, I haven't gone a day without putting out a new article, um, usually a podcast in the video too. like I'm just cut, crushing out content. And I think I look at myself in the mirror and say, oh, shit, like you're a professional now. You're a professional writer. You're an author. And that's cool because when I was a kid growing up, I didn't think it was possible for that to be really a career, you know.
0: That's, that's awesome. Uh, I got to run in a minute, but do you want to leave leave anybody. I want to hear about how you're cranking out that much content. Um, any, any tips or what do you got for me?
1: Uh, I could just completely downsize everything else I'm doing to focus only on content. That's the only answer. (laughs) Okay.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, that's not in the cards for me right now, but, uh, (laughs) I'm trying to get more organized and, uh, and things. So I'm not carrying such a big, workload for my team and also not traveling so much and so that i can produce more content but uh, totally we will see cool man dude this has been a blast uh always appreciate
1: it love man
0: yo live different podcast listeners you know what to do you love the episode if you listened this far go to itunes show us some love please that's all we ask a little five-star review Just a little review, that's all we need. Send it to a friend who needs to get their ass in gear. We're trying to do good work here, and we need your help. Hey, you know what, special offer, send me an email personally, I will write back, matt at under30experiences.com. I wanna know your feedback, and then I wanna meet you in person. Maybe our yoga retreat, maybe our fitness retreat, who knows, check out under30experiences.com. Go do something awesome with your life.